At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it 888 Money Pit. Money Pit is presented by the Angie app and LL Flooring's Profiles Podcast. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Here to help you take on the projects you want to get done. And I am so excited because next week, it's official, Leslie. Next week is the first week of spring Woo-hoo. 2023. And that means the gloves... I'm not saying the gloves are off. No, actually, the work gloves are on. You're swapping gloves. It's just a glove swap. They're swapping gloves. That's right. The winter gloves are off. The work gloves are on. And we're going to get going on our projects around the house, inside and out. If you've got one on your to-do list, we would love to hear all about it. You can reach out to us by going to moneypit.com slash ask. There is a blue microphone there. Just click it, record your question, and you'll come right to us. We'll get a chance to answer it on the next show. Or you can post your question on the same page at moneypit.com slash ask. Coming up on today's show, if you want a quick way to start a neighborhood feud, just go ahead and put up an ugly fence on the wrong side <laughs> of a property line. That sounds like a terrible way to become a friend. <laughs> yeah, well, We're going to share some tips on the right way to fence in your yard. All right, guys. And as the weather is getting nicer, you're going to be spending a lot more time outside and on your deck. So now really is the time to make sure that that deck is safe. We're going to share some tips to help you spot signs of deck trouble before it becomes too dangerous. And now that it's officially spring cleaning season, the number one tool you need to work and work well is your vacuum. If yours just doesn't have the sucking power it used to, we're going to help you with some easy tips to make sure your number one cleaning tool is good to go. But first, we want to know what you want to know, because if you guys can dream it, you can for sure build it or you know, hire the right person to do so. It depends on what kind of mood you're in and your skill level. But whatever it is you guys are working on or planning to do for the spring and summer season, reach out to Team Money Pit. We're standing by to lend a hand. And one listener to today's show is going to win a copy of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, your guide to every home improvement adventure. Because we think home improvements are an adventure, just like an adventure trip. It's very exciting. It's very exhilarating. And it doesn't always end up exactly like you planned, which speaks to so many home improvement projects. So give us a call right now at 888-MONEYPIT, or again, post your questions at moneypit.com slash ask. We've got Beverly from Baltimore on the line, who's got a super drafty home. I was trying to think of a way to say drafty with a B also, Beverly, Baltimore, (laughs) but she's got a very old house and is looking for some help keeping it from being so drafty. What's going on? I live in... Historic Fells Point for the Marylanders, and it's an end-of-group row home that was built in 1880. 1880, wow. That's even older than our house. (laughs) Yeah, it's old. Um, But it was rehabbed, or maybe a flip, when we bought it in 2005. And um, 
we've done some things to the house since then, but our ground floor is always freezing. And, you know, I thought it was just normal living in a house that was built in 1980. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just supposed to be cold. Oh, well. <laughs> but, but the more that I listen to your show, I'm thinking that's not normal. Um, so I, I think that there's a crawl space under my house, but I can't figure out how it would be accessed to check out the insulation, because I know you guys talk about how important insulation is. Um, well, if there's any insulation at all, everything is sealed up except for this teeny tiny little five-inch long by three-inch <laughs> high yeah. grate, grate on the alley <laughs> side. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, and, and so the thing is, when we had the house inspected before we bought it, um the fact that you couldn't even get into the crawl space, it wasn't raised as an issue. And um, now that we're in this house for like X many years, we're like, right. Uh, <laughs> so what can you, what, 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 what would you suggest? Okay. So first of all, I would like to know what the heck's going on with that crawl space. Now I've done a lot of inspections in the years I was a professional home inspector. And, and typically if you don't have a crawl space access like that, I would do whatever I could to take a peek in there. I mean, I've laid down in the alleyways between houses like that and pressed my face up against that grate. And the only other thing next to my eye socket was my flashlight. So I could try to see what was happening in there because if there's going to be trouble it's going to be in an inaccessible crawl space. And I would look to see if there's insulation, if the lumber looked like it was structurally sound, if I saw any termite tunnels walking up the walls. You know, there is some information that you can get by taking that close look. If there was a problem that we had to get in there, then, of course, there are ways to open that up and create an access or at least some access to do what you, you got to do. But let me ask you this. How is your house heated? We have forced air, yeah. So it's uh, it's gas and it's like central because it was a rehab. They made it all modern, right? You know. <laughs> I bet you forced air wasn't its first heating system. I bet you had a hot water system or a steam system in there somewhere. Are your ducts located in the ceiling or are they on the walls? Oh goodness, they're all over the place. Um, they're largely located in the ceiling. Yeah, knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so you may have heard this before, but heat rises. <laughs> so, yeah, when you have heat distributed at the ceiling, it does doesn't want to go down too well. You know what I would I think I might consider in this case because it's just so darn hard to reconfigure it at this point. I might consider some supplemental heat. And I generally don't recommend electric baseboards, but in your case, and considering the fact that this is sort of the heating system is designed to, let's say, take the edge off those really, really cold days, I might think about adding uh, some supplemental baseboard electric heat properly installed and properly wired. You want to make sure your, your system can handle it um, with a thermostat so that you on those cold days could supplement the forced air heat because you know, all that forced air heat that you're, you're distributing at the ceiling level is just never going to get down. And that may be coupled with the fact that you just don't have enough insulation or any insulation uh, in that floor. And, and we haven't even talked about the walls yet. So I think in your case, I might consider some supplemental electric baseboards heat just for that 
taking the edge off sort of reason and not become your primary heating system. Otherwise, you're going to be spending, you know, $600 a month in electricity, and we don't want that to happen. But it's inexpensive to put in, I mean, comparatively. You could also put in a split ductless system, but then you're kind of doing the same thing. You would still have electric, uh, high electric bills as a result of that. So I think I would, I would do that. And then I'd also uh, see if I could, you know, get a, a, a view of a crawl space just so I kind of knew what was going on in that area. You might not be able to answer this, but like, is it even legal to have a house? that does not have access to a crawl space? <laughs> they didn't have building codes in 1880. <laughs> you know, look, these houses sort of morph over time. I've seen a lot of houses like that in your part of the country and also in Washington, D.C., where I did a lot of home inspections. And it's not, you know, it's not optimal, but it, but it happens. And, you know, you buy those houses with some degree of risk as a result, which is why I always did everything I possibly could to, uh, to have a look in there using whatever was accessible to me. Yeah. Well, speaking of risk, okay. So, um, <laughs> I've owned this house, this wonderful delight of a surprise since 2005. And, um, you know, we've done a lot of things to it to just keep it alive. <laughs> um, you know, replace the furnace, the air conditioner. But, um, the question that, that I have to keeping the home like healthy, right? Right. Is, do people ever hire a home inspector to do like a a thorough checkup of the property, even if they're not looking to sell it? Uh, you know, like yeah. just like you mm-hmm. you visit a primary care physician. I know it, it right. seems like it might be like a crazy expenditure of money, but good lord, I would love to be able to understand like. What's the next thing I need to spend money on? <laughs> no, I think that's a really good idea. In fact, you know, when I was a home inspector, I did quite a few of those inspections, just sort of like, let's just, you know, look at this point in time and see what the condition of the building is. Because a home inspector is, is the reason it's it's helpful to use a home inspector for this is because home inspectors, we're generalists, right? We can cover the heating, the cooling, the plumbing, the electrical systems. We can cover the roof. We can cover the structure. And second to that, we're not contractors. So yeah. we're not going to say... Beverly, I got good news and I got bad news. You know, the bad news is you need a new roof. The good news is I'm free this week and I can do it for you. Sign here. You know, you're not going to get that kind of thing from a home inspector. They're basically sworn to be independent. And so I think having an inspector go through that property and sizing up uh, the whole place and especially the areas that uh, that you're worried about or observations that you've made of issues of concern, I think it would be a really smart thing for you to do. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for just doing what you do. And Tom and Leslie, love you. All right. Well, thank you very much. And, and good luck with that project. Sounds like you're going to have quite a to-do list for a while. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll work on it. All right. Take care. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. 
That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Well, if you're planning your next home improvement adventure, now would be a great time to reach out to us at moneypit.com slash ask because it just so happens we're giving away an adventure guide to help you get through with those projects. Yep, we've got a copy of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, your guide to every home improvement adventure. And that's going out to one listener. It's drawn at random, so make that you. Call us now at one eight 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 Money Pit. That's eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Or better yet, post your question at moneypit.com slash ask. Just click the blue microphone button. Heading out to Phoenix where we've got Jeff on the line. What's going on at your money pit? Well, my situation is I have a condo in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's all on one floor. It's on the ground floor. Uh, However, the way the condo is constructed, the master bedroom adjoins a unheated garage. Consequently, especially in Phoenix in the summer, uh, the master bedroom area of the condo gets uh, very warm. The thermostat is in the general living area, the living dining room area. And there is, of course, a wall separating the master bedroom from that area. So I'm trying to figure out how can I make the master bedroom, master bath a more livable situation. And because it's a condominium, you probably can't add like a supplemental air conditioner or something like that. You're pretty much stuck with what you have. Is that right? That's my understanding. There's HOAs and they govern all these things. And from what I understand, I haven't tested those waters yet. How's the airflow through the registers? Is it pretty strong or do you feel like maybe it's obstructed? No, I don't think they're obstructed at all. In fact, I had a fellow look, and he said it's absolutely uh, uh, clear, and it's not an obstruction issue. The problem here is the positioning of the thermostat. It's only going to operate the heating and cooling system based on the temperature where it is, and that's normal. But in your case, you've got such a differentiation between where the thermostat is and your master bedroom bath area that's not doing the job. So there is a solution here. Now, Egobee is a type of smart thermostats. And the reason I bring up that particular type of thermostat is because they also sell a sensor that works with the thermostat. And once you install this new Egobee thermostat, you have the opportunity to add sensors. And the sensor would be in your master bedroom. And then you go into the operation of this thermostat and you basically tell it what temperature to operate based on. So you could say to this thermostat, essentially, if my bedroom gets to be over X, then bring on the system, even though where the main thermostat is located, it hasn't reached that temperature yet. So you have the opportunity to sort of balance your comfort across the the home. And you can do that on a calendar basis or a clock basis, so it's not like 
not, it's not like that all the time. Maybe it's just in the afternoon. You can just work with it after a while to kind of dial it in. But the thing here is that you get a thermostat and some number of sensors. You might need one, you might need more, and you can adjust it accordingly. Does that make sense? Um, it does. However, I'm a bit concerned. Would that mean that uh, the thermostat would kick on and uh, if it reads that the temperature in the bedroom is 85, whereas the rest of the house is 72, is it going to kick on and therefore the rest of the condo would go down to 60, even though the bedroom would now be a comfortable 72? It may be, but then you wouldn't have the opportunity to to shut down some of the ducks or some of the the vents in the rest of the place to get things balanced out where you want it. It's going to be a learning experience for you and the thermostat. <laughs> you try to, I mean, because we're trying to do something here where we where we don't have a uh, the, the ability to add an additional unit. You know, I, in my house, I've got uh, two rooms in my very old house that um, don't keep up well uh, with uh, the air conditioner in the summer because of their exposure. Uh, one room, which is the kitchen, is an addition. Uh, that was done in the early 1900s, and of course, it's got exposed the, the the ceiling and three of the walls are exposed to the outside, so it needs more air conditioning than the rest. Uh, and then I have an office on the west side of the house, both of which are pretty far away from where the central air conditioning uh, system is is located. And so, for those, I use a split ductless system to supplement it. If you can't add air conditioning because your condominium association does not allow that. We have to get more creative, and that's why I suggested a thermostat system that includes sensors where you have the chance to balance it out. Appreciate your help. Well, putting up a fence can add style, security, and value to your property, but it can also be an eyesore, a maintenance headache, and cause a battle with your neighbors. To avoid those pitfalls, you got to plan very carefully. All right, first, guys, you need to check your property line. You want to make sure that you're not building into your neighbor's yard. And you also want to check with local officials to make sure that you don't need a permit to build a fence, period. Now, once you're sure about all of those things, you can start thinking about what kind of fence you like. And fencing is available in many materials, including natural and pressure-treated woods, vinyl, and metal. And that natural wood can be beautiful, but it's going to require the most maintenance. For us, we went with natural wood, but I made sure to prime it on all sides, which includes the top and the bottom of the boards. It made a big difference, and it's lasted like 10 years so far. And also, guys, you have to remember that there are two sides to a fence, and one side looks way better than the other. And guess what? you got to put that good side to the outside. I know you want it to look really great on the inside, and I promise you the back side of that fence is going to look great in your yard, but that beautiful finished outside of that fence has to go on the exterior. So whether that's your neighbor's yard, the front of the house, yada, yada, it's got to look good on the outside. Now, I've even seen people double up a fence so that they have good sides on both sides. That's in your budget. Go for it. Yeah, there's a certain type of fence that has basically two good sides. And if that's the case, you could do that. But if you've just got, like, say, a standard six-foot stockade fence, Sorry, good side has to face out. Hey, for a complete checklist of tips and more advice on the best fences, head on over to moneypit.com. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. 
AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now we've got Anne on the line who's feeling the chill. What's going on with the insulation at your place? I was just wondering what the best way or best product to use for a very drafty house. Around the windows, underneath the floor, feeling like it's coming through on the base of the cabinets in the kitchen. Drafty. So, Anne, tackling drafts is, uh, is, it sounds like it's a constant battle for you. So I'm going to give you a couple of tips. First of all, with respect to the windows, we need to figure out where these drafts are, are coming in. If the weather stripping is worn or missing in, say, their old double-hung windows, then that needs to be replaced. I often find, though, that you'll get drafts that will be around the outside of the molding, even on the inside of the house. That casing, that trim, will sometimes allow air to draft in from the outside, especially on a windy day. So for those areas, we recommend that you caulk the outside perimeter. And for the windows themselves, you should be adding new weather stripping to that. Now, you also mentioned uh, being very chilly towards the floor and the base cabinet. So that might be, to me, Leslie, it sounds like it could be the box beam, you know, the floor underneath that part of the house. It's just open. Yeah, it may not be insulated. You know, that that box beam, which is the where the floor joists sort of intersect with the outside of the house, that area needs to be insulated. And in fact, if you have an unfinished crawl space, the floor system itself needs to be insulated. So I would start there with weather stripping the windows. And secondly, I would insulate the floor underneath that area and especially that box beam area. And if you want to go the extra mile, you could also use a product like Great Stuff 
to seal any large gaps that are in there where air might be coming in. You know, you can do your own kind of draft inspection if the wind's blowing right just by sort of holding the back of your hand against the window area, not without touch, not touching the window, but just right up against it because I find that the back of my hand is much more sensitive than my palm, and I can really pinpoint drafts sometimes by doing that. Well, we've all heard the horror stories of deck collapses, but a good preseason deck inspection is going to tell you if you've got anything to worry about. And doing your own deck inspection isn't that hard to do, or you can definitely hire a pro to do it for you. Well, there are definitely some telltale signs of trouble that are pretty easy to see if you know where to look. So first, check for rot, check for decay. There are a few areas of the deck to look at to make sure the wood is still solid. That includes the ledger board. Now, that's where the deck attaches to the house. It's a very common source of deck failure. It's got to be solid, no rot, and have solid bolts all the way through into the other side of the house framing. The support posts and the joists under the deck are important to check. The deck boards, the railings, and the stairs. And pay special attention to any areas that tend to remain damp and are regularly exposed to water or in contact with fasteners. You can use a tool like a screwdriver or an ice pick to penetrate that wood surface. When I did these inspections professionally, I had a long craftsman screwdriver like the kind that the mechanics used to work on engines <laughs> and i would buy two of them at the same time because i'd actually wear out the tips from all the poking about i would do with those things but man when you find rot it looks good from the outside but that screwdriver will go right through it that's why i like it plus as you tap on a board that is rotted it has a different sound than one that's solid you'll get used to this as you start tapping around your house inspect all that area inspect those wood surfaces inspect those wood structural members to make sure that they are solid because it's the surest sign of a deck problem if they're not. All right. Now, you've also got to check the flashing. Now, the flashing is that metal or plastic guard that directs the water away and out from the sensitive areas of the structure, and it's often installed where the deck and house come together. That's going to keep moisture and debris from collecting between the house and the deck's ledger board, so you have to be certain that the flashing is there, it's sound, and it's firmly in place. And then go ahead and check all the fasteners. You want to tighten up anything that you find loose and pound in any nails that are popping up. And if a fastener appears rusted or even corroded, just replace it. Now, a corroded fastener can cause deterioration in the wood that's surrounding it. And lastly, the deck and the stairs, that should appear even without sagging. And you should not go on them if they sway or if they move when they're tested. So it's like there's a couple of things to look out for, and a lot of it has to do with movement there. Now, also, don't forget to check the railings and the banisters. They need to be secure. You can push on them to make sure there's no give. And also to be sure they're high enough. Most codes require a 36-inch high railing and usually encourage 42-inch high railings with the spindles no more than four inches apart. That's measured from the inside of those spindles. It's really important to keep small kids and pets from squeezing through. So keep that in mind, uh, especially important the higher your deck is off the ground as well. All right, and finally, here's a good trick of the trade. Besides the structure, when you're checking everything out, if you find some badly cracked or even just splintered floorboards, there's a really easy fix for it. You just pry them up, flip them over, and reattach. Yep, because since that backside hasn't been exposed to the sun, it'll probably be in as good a shape as the day it was first put down. Ray in Florida, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I've got a asphalt driveway, blacktop. Okay. What I want to do, I'm going to take... I'm taking the asphalt out, and I'm going to put a concrete drive okay. in. Okay. My question is, the area by the road is pretty solid, and, and another thing is, I want to raise the uh, 
to drive up for some about a little over four inches. Okay. So what I want to do is leave the end by the road and just pour the concrete on top of the blacktop. Yeah, I think that would probably be a mistake. You know, I don't think the the blacktop is a good thing for you to go on top of. I would encourage you to excavate it and to build it up properly with uh, with properly tamped fill dirt and stone and compressed compress it very very well with tampers and then go ahead and put the concrete on top of that. I think if you put it over the asphalt, you're really asking for trouble. I really don't advise that. I would definitely take it up and do it from scratch. Even if you have to add some fill there to bring it up to where you want it to be, you then put the driveway down and you may even want to reinforce the concrete since it's such a long driveway. You you figure the asphalt wouldn't hold it, wouldn't be strong enough. No, I don't like it. I don't like it. No, I don't. I can't ever imagine. I, I would never do that myself, and I, and I just don't think it's a good combination. I mean, look, the asphalt fell apart at the top of the driveway. It's eventually going to do that at the bottom. Oh, I got you. I see what you mean. All right, Ray. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Karen's on the line with a question about circuit breakers and whether or not we need to keep turning them on and off. Welcome. How can we help you? You mentioned something earlier on your show about um, turning circuit breakers on and off and then doing something. I did not catch the whole thing. I had just started watching the show and also checking for water leaks. I'm wondering if you can repeat that information or if it could be on your website. So many people talk about exercising the circuit breaker. You know, it's like, I don't know if there's really anything to it other than making sure things don't get jammed up and everything is capable of turning on and off in the event that you need to do so. So like, what do you recommend, Tom? Every like two or three months do it or like once a year? I think you could turn them on or off every couple of months just to keep things flexible. And then also make sure you check your ground fault circuit breakers. Those are the outlets sometimes with the test and reset buttons just to make sure they're flexible and and operating. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it certainly won't hurt and it could definitely help. It's so funny, the outside ones with the circuit breakers, I only really use it during the holiday time. And anytime I need to, you know, reset it because it's been rainy or whatnot, I always have to use like one end of the plug because it's kind of stiff because I'm not obviously exercising that circuit. (laughs) (laughs) What about your water? I mean, you should not have that water meter running at all ever. Like, so is it worth it to go outside, check that meter if you've got all the faucets off just to make sure you don't have a leak you don't know about? Yeah, it's a good idea. So if, if all the faucets and fixtures are off, yet the water meter is still running, then obviously you're running water somewhere. And the most likely place that would be is a toilet. Typically, a, a flush valve at the bottom of the tank, if it leaks a little bit, it's going to force the, the, the toilet to refill all the time. That's a very common reason 
for the water meter to be running, even when everything else is off. So it definitely tells you if something is going on. Well, with all the spring cleaning we are about to be doing, have you tried your vacuum lately? Is it acting up? Well, the fix might be easier than you think. First of all, you want to start by checking the suction. If it's poor or not even happening, the issue there could be a clog in the hose, the bag, or the filter, or your canister might be full and need to be replaced or emptied. Are you hearing a funny noise or a vibration? If it sounds like it's coming from the motor area, it may very well be a broken fan blade. But if the noise is coming from the brush area, then it could be a defective brush roller bearing or the brush roller itself. If either is defective, it needs replacement, which is pretty much an easy do-it-yourself project. Now, if your vacuum is hard to push or if you smell burning rubber, it could have a broken or a worn belt. So to do that, you want to check the brush roller for obstructions and clear away any hair or carpet fibers. If the brush roller spins freely with the belt removed, you can reinstall the belt and test for proper operation again. And if you find you need to replace your vacuum cleaner's belt, here's a trick that I use. I buy two and I tape the extra one to the vacuum handle so it's always there and handy the next time the belt breaks. And they're pretty cheap. They're worth always having an extra one on hand. For more troubleshooting tips for getting those vacuums working properly, just visit MoneyPit.com and search vacuum cleaners. Jesse in Iowa, you've got the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? I just built a new garage, and I uh, two by four is OSB on the outside. I put a Tyvek on the outside and uh, uh, vinyl siding. Now, I have unfaced insulation in the walls, and I got faced insulation on the ceiling. Now, I live in the Midwest, so it gets hot in the summer and cold in the winter. And I get mixed reviews about putting up a vapor barrier or not on the walls, and I don't know which way to go. Yeah, um, I don't really think you need a vapor barrier on those walls. I think you could probably go without it. Your vapor barrier is outside with the Tyvek. That's going to start the stop the wind from coming through and stop the excessive moisture. And it also breathes. You know, those, if you're going to use fiberglass on the exterior walls, it's got to breathe. So I wouldn't put a second vapor barrier on the inside. Uh, what about with the cars when they're wet in the winter and stuff, when the moisture gets trapped in the wall? Well, certainly, you, you know, they, there's going to be some level of humidity in there, but that's normal. I mean, that all all fiberglass insulated walls have that level of dampness. I'm just concerned that if you have vapor barriers on both sides, it might trap that moisture inside and make it harder to dry, and they can get some mold and mildew issues, which you really want, want to avoid. I'm going to put OSB up on the inside, too. Is that going to change okay. anything? No, that won't change anything. I guess that's but I didn't know if Tidec was a moisture barrier or a vapor barrier. Yeah, it's a vapor just... barrier. That's exactly what it does. Yeah. All righty. Oh, that's the only question I had for you. All right, Jesse. Well, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 888- Money Pit. About to tackle our first question here from Jim in Athens, Georgia, who writes, I'm looking for a way to keep the skylights clean. My house is 29 years old and has a fairly steep pitched roof with two skylights, and they get very dirty. We've had them cleaned several different times by roofers, but we're wondering if there's a solution to help keep them clean. Is there a new skylight that actually stays clean on its own? Could you imagine like a self-cleaning windshield wiper in? Wouldn't that be fantastic? You know, I can only imagine how much a roofer charges to clean a skylight. What a job that is, huh? You come back every couple of weeks. Uh, it's got to be pretty expensive. You know, I'm not aware, Jim, of any solutions that will keep them clean long-term, the existing skylights long-term. I mean, something like Rain-X, like we use on our car windshields, would help, but that's only going to last a month, maybe at best. You know, another option is to replace them with an operable roof window, and that's the type of skylight that sort of tilts inward, and that would allow you to access the outside of the skylight glass to clean it. 
But there is a new type of skylight that's out there. It's actually a, a type of skylight glass that is designed to be, I won't say dirt-free, but it's designed to not let dirt stick to it. It's made by Velux. It's what they call neat glass. And it combines energy efficiency, sort of the low-E, dual-pane, energy-efficient glass, with a special coating that works with sunlight and rain to remove that debris. It's got basically two different types of coatings that fight off water and dirt. It's got a silicone dioxide coating that reduces the water spots from the rain by creating a super smooth surface that sort of evenly disperses and evaporates the water. And then it has a titanium dioxide coating that that actually decomposes the organic material that's left behind. So that's going to make the dirt and the dust and the tree debris basically break down on the glass through a reaction with the UV light. Of course, that will require you installing brand new skylights, but given uh, the sensitivity you have to the issue, I presume also that there's no way to kind of reduce the debris. If you've got like overhanging trees and that sort of stuff, you know, cutting those backs will help as well in two ways. Actually, you get less droppings and you get more sunlight, which tends to sort of burn off a lot of that organic material by itself. But short of that, you might want to think about upgrading some new skylights with this neat glass. All right, now we've got one from Pam who's installing a new floor in her bedroom, and she's asking, what corner should I start in in relation to the door if you're laying plank flooring like laminate? I think also a lot of people are always confused about which direction that plank should go in. Yeah, well, whatever direction you decide, you don't start in the corner. You start in the middle of the room. You draw a line down the middle of the room, and then your plank's either going to go up against that line on both sides or directly over it. And the way you make the determination is you measure where the planks are going to end up at the wall. You don't want to have a little tiny strip of a plank end up at the wall. You want at least a half of a plank to end up at the wall. So depending on how that measurement works out, that's how you decide what side of the line you actually start on, either right on the line or you put your first plank right down the middle of the line. All right. I hope that helps you out, Pam. And good luck with that new floor. It's always fantastic to add in a new flooring to the bedroom. And you can always bring in an area rug if you want it to be more cozy. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on a beautiful, almost officially spring day. Spring starts next week, but heck, we started our spring projects weeks ago, so we're kind of ahead of it. But if you're just getting started on it, we would love to hear from you. If you need some help to get going, if you don't know how to start a project or if you're already stuck in the middle of one, reach out to us anytime, 24-7. You can do so by going to moneybit.com slash ask or click the blue microphone button on every page of the site. Until then, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit.